0: reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What up, listener? We wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this Blue Wire podcast. Be sure to show your support to this pod by subscribing and dropping a five-star review on iTunes, a follow on Spotify, or the appropriate dap for any other platform you might be listening on. And if you're enjoying this show, chances are you'll like one of our 75 other sports podcasts. Find more shows you'll love at BlueWirePods.com. Thanks again for listening, and now back to your regularly scheduled podcast.
1: Golden Edge Podcast is sponsored by STN Sports from Station Casinos. STN Sports is the only sports betting app you need this season. Sign up today and get a new sign-up bonus of up to $50.
2: What is up, Golden Knights fans? We are here once again, the Golden Edge podcast with you, breaking down everything going on in the Golden Knights world with the guys who cover the team for the Las Vegas Review Journal. Adam Hill here, along with Dave Shane, Ben Goats, down in Fort Lauderdale, where the Golden Knights are getting ready to play the Florida Panthers, so a lot to get into as they get back from the break. First of all, we'll remind you to like, subscribe, comment, share, whatever you do with your podcast wherever you find them. Check us out and tell your friends and tell everyone how great we are, because we know you think we're great. So make sure you check out our podcast and tell your friends about it. Uh, Let's get into it, though. Hockey is back, and Ben, you are on this trip. It's the second four-game trip in a row with a bye week and an all-star game in between. It's been forever since the Golden Knights were at home. That will happen later this week, but right now... You are uh, you are on that trip three games into this uh, back half of the trip, I guess we could call it the the two separate four game trips. So uh, I guess just how how have you assessed how this team has come out of the break? Being around them,
3: yeah. Well, first of all, I just want to thank Dave Shane because because I won our wrestling match. He's the one that had to go to Canada before the yeah. break, while I'm in Florida right now. That's true. So
2: and you got Nashville.
3: It's- but and it's been a good trip for the Knights, too, obviously. They're two and one, but their one loss last night against the Tampa Bay Lightning. They played really well against a really good team, you know, probably deserved a better fate than coming away from zero points in that game, but they didn't take advantage of their opportunities. and that's what happens when you don't do that against the Tampa Bay Lightning. But certainly this team has you know come out strong out of the break. I mean, there's still been a lot of whiteboard moments. There's a lot of teaching going on with Peter DeBoer right now, and now his new assistant, Steve Spott, who has been with him a long time as they try to impress some of the changes they want to make to the Golden Knights. But it's hard to say those changes aren't working right now with how this team looks. I mean, obviously, their starts, which were just abysmal kind of coming into the break, have gotten a lot better coming out of the break. The penalty kills performing really well. The forecheck is doing some really good things so it's hard to not be impressed with this kind of first three game sample size for the knights now we'll see whether this is just kind of the natural kind of bump you get when a coach gets fired and players get on edge and maybe they settle back into their old habits a little bit later but right now i mean certainly just eye test wise the team seems to be playing pretty pretty good hockey
2: yeah, I think uh, that, that seems to be the case, certainly watching it. And Dave, you not being on this trip, kind of seeing from afar a little bit, I think it is a, a little bit of a different perspective. So what have you seen?
4: When I talked to Max Pacioretty at the All-Star game and and kind of said, what what can we expect coming out? What what are some of the changes you're expecting to see? And he broke down a little bit of kind of the breakout and going back, retrieving pucks, breaking out of the zone, and and that helping to kind of speed up the the Golden Knights play that I think has been evident so far in, in terms of just the ease that they've exited the zone. That uh, I think that was most of the battle against Nashville was just they were they were in and out, and, and Nashville was on a teals the whole time. I think even against Tampa for for stretches in that game. They were able to kind of dictate tempo and and things like that. That was something that we've kind of talked about throughout the year that they they seem to have gotten away from. And and I know it's high on Peter DeBoer's list of priorities is kind of finding that relentlessness that that identity that this team was kind of known for. And and I think especially was it the first period against Nashville. That, that's probably the closest everybody's seen to it. That, that seemed to be the sentiment everybody kind of had, uh, especially after that game. And I think going forward, that those are the types of, of I guess, periods and, and stretches that, that Peter DeBoer wants from this team.
2: So I, I, I want to talk about what he has done uh, with the team so far. He hasn't had that much time, but he did get that break to kind of analyze some things and then uh, got that long practice in that we talked a little bit about uh, after they came back. But uh, Ben, I, I do want to get your perspective coming out of that game against Tampa because we talk about the success that they are having. They won two games where they looked they looked impressive. They won at Carolina. They you know allowed to come back but then found a way to win at the end. Then a dominant performance against Nashville where they looked really good. Then they played Tampa – a, a great team, a team that's on an absolute roll. And the Golden Knights, I thought, were the better team. They don't get the win. You come out of that, and I think you can say, hey, look, they played well. Everything is still trending in the right direction. They're doing what they want to do. And I know Peter DeBoer talked about the process being good, uh, the, the Canadian flair to that. But you know, he talks about the process being good, and if you just stick with that, you're going to be fine. But isn't that what we saw with Gallant? I mean, isn't that what, what the, the knock on this team was, that everything looked good, the, the advanced stats looked good, the analytics looked good, the process was good, the results weren't there? Isn't that kind of what was wrong with this team?
3: No, I think you could definitely look at the lightning game as kind of a microcosm for what fans' frustrations with the Knights probably are. I mean, the Knights play really well. They get opportunities, and then they just don't capitalize on them. We saw Max Pacioretty miss an open net, like within the first three minutes of the game after a really nice setup from Chandler Stevenson. Braden McNabb hits the crossbar. Alex Tuck gets loose behind the defense, but Andre Vasilevsky is able to make the save. So you could definitely look at that type of by lightning game and say, Hey, the fact that, you know, whoever's the coach is just window dressing, this is kind of the same issues that this team has had so far, especially against really, really good competition. You just kind of have to take it at face value that these changes are actually going to help this team, as Dave said, in areas like the breakouts that have just been a huge, huge point of emphasis under Peter DeBoer. Like I said, the penalty kill has been something that's been tweaked and harped on and worked upon. And then today was a lot of power play stuff because they're 0 for 7 in their last two games on the power play. So the belief internally seems to be that, you know, they really are buying in that if they make the changes that DeBoer wants, that they're going to be successful. Obviously, I think the way they played on this, you know, three games after the bye so far helps that belief. Because even in Nashville, John Hines, the Predators' new coach, who's basically in the exact same spot as DeBoer, talked about, "Hey, if you can get early success and get guys buying into what you want to do, then that's kind of the biggest hurdle that you have to overcome as like a new coach. Once that happens, then you know potentially you can get on a roll." And so that's what the Knights are obviously looking to do here. What you can—the counterpoint would be—is how much time does this, you know, process to use DeBoer's pronunciation? have to take in order for the Knights to really get going here because as well as they've played on this trip, and I do think they have played well, and there have been some positive changes for the Knights, They're still four points behind the Vancouver Canucks who also have a game in hand on them for the lead in the Pacific division. You know, there's still 27 games left in the season. So it's not like they're getting right to crunch time at the end, but there's also not just a ton of room and runway less in the season either for them to have kind of growing pains to figure themselves out. They need the process to work, I would say, relatively quickly because otherwise they're kind of going to get left behind in what's just like a meat grinder of a division right now where everyone's just kind of on top of each other.
4: And the schedule too. I mean, now we're into February where this thing gets, you know, right into the thick of it with with who they're playing. And, I mean, they get a lot of them at home, but some tough teams coming up here that, you know, they're, they're going to need to squeeze points out of and, and figure out a way to keep pace, if nothing else, and then, you know, at that point try to gain ground. They, we still haven't seen them just kind of get on a roll, you know, and reel off, you know, a good home run, a good run, you know, of just six games in a row, you know, eight or nine game point streak, something like that. They, they, that's the one thing that Peter DeBoer is going to have to kind of squeeze out of them I think in the last 27 games here, they're going to need to kind of find a way to go on a run like that uh, and then kind of build on it, continue it, you know, and then if they're in the playoffs, then you got to figure, okay, you know, for the last 27, 30 games here, I mean, they're making their push right now. In some regard, this is kind of, you know, maybe it's a little early to say they're starting their, you know, the playoffs, but, this this is this is where a lot of the push and, and everything kind of has to start start going because because otherwise they're going to get buried like you said Ben it, the division's too good it's too tight too many good teams and you know not as many wild cards I guess available in the past it, it's going to be interesting with Winnipeg Chicago you know all these other teams kind of in the mix here
2: should should go Knights fans hashtag trust the process Yeah, I I, I think
3: that they have a ton of other options at this point. Yeah,
2: I was
4: just gonna say. I mean, I'm a. I kind of look at it like poker. You, You keep putting your your money in good. You keep playing well. Eventually, you're going to get the
2: results on it. Just That's kind of the math. I took two brutal beats last week. I don't want to hear about it. (laughs) Just horrific. Just horrific beats of getting my money in the best situation. You got beat by Tampa, and you Uh, got beat by uh, Montreal, I guess, right? The the process was good. The results were not. Uh, Plenty more to talk about the Golden Knights. And uh, Dave, with you know, a very interesting conversation with a former coach of the Golden Knights. I'll give you one guess who that is. Uh, we'll go to, we'll go step away real quick, come back, and continue the conversation on the Knights. Have you ever
1: seen an untucked button-down? They look bad. Why? Well, because they weren't meant to be worn that way. Thankfully, there's Untuck It, the original button-down shirt, actually designed to be worn untucked. No matter your size or shape, Untuck it shirts Always fall at the perfect untucked length. And with the holidays near, there's no better gift for your favorite guy who needs an upgrade. I mean, I've had problems with shirt shopping in the past. I'm like six foot five and it's hard for people to shop with me. But I love how easy it is to get Untuck It shirts and I think they look great. So whether you're shopping for the perfect holiday gift or just trying to craft a smart, relaxed style of your own, Untuck It is the way to go. Visit untuckit.com and use code BLUE for 20% off at checkout. That's dot and promo code BLUE for 20% off.
2: So we kept you in suspense there, but the former coach we were talking about, of course, Gerard Gallant, and Dave, you got a chance to speak with him. Um, I guess, the, first of all, you can, you can read the quotes and people should definitely go check that out, but I just want to get a sense of like, where do you think he was mentally? Where, where was his mood? How, was that, uh, how did that conversation go with him?
4: He sounded much better than I, you know, would imagine that he would have sounded, you know, when he gave that first interview to his hometown paper and and things like that. He sounded a little more, you know, like he kind of resolved everything. There was a little bit of closure. I, one of my big takeaways, though, from it was just how blindsided he was by it. And, and he kind of used the phrase, you know, maybe it was his own stupidity that he didn't see it. But that was kind of one of the things that I was, I guess, most surprised about with it all is just his shock. Uh, he he really touched on when he went up there and, and to the room in Ottawa and, and spoke to Kelly McCrimmon and, and George McPhee that he was just expecting kind of a, a, he used a let's get her going kind of speech. That's what he was expecting. He did not
2: see the firing coming at all. And, and and, j- sorry to cut you off on that because I want to continue on this, but the the weird thing to me when I read that is that made me feel like that had never happened. Like if you expect a, Hey, let's get her going. Like that would, that would tell me that maybe that hasn't happened before. Like, I, I don't know if, if, you know, if that's the sense that you got from, them, but like, had, had, hadn't had they done that before? Hadn't they had the, Hey, we need to get better. We need to, we need to get the results to come. We know that the, the, you know, the process seems to be working, but we need the results there. Like, I feel like they would have had that conversation before. Yeah. Maybe. And, and, Maybe you know, he just I asked it was him, another one. Yeah,
4: I guess. And and, you know, part of the conversation and one of the things when when we talked that I really wanted to ask him about was, you know, how much of I guess interference, philosophical differences um did he feel that there was between him and the front office? And he was adamant that there weren't any. And and I know that it was just that was a lot of the speculation I think that that fans had as they kind of tried to figure out you know, why did this happen? And, oh, well, it had to be something like that. And, you know, Jar Glant was, was pretty clear, you know, that he didn't leave any gray area as far as they got along great and the relationship was fine. And, and you know, I, we're going to talk about one of the things I think that Peter DeBoer has done, at least personnel wise, that Jar Glant didn't seem willing to do. And I don't know if that kind of played into it and You know, whether it was things like, you know, Kelly McCrimmon making the comments like, you know, that he just thought everybody got too comfortable. I think Max Pacioretty kind of alluded to that uh, post game in Buffalo. I think Mark Stone even alluded to it a little bit um, with his comments that, look, we're better than these teams and we're losing to them. Uh, I think that was kind of where he was getting at things, too, of just like, look, we're just too comfortable here. And I think that was... Kelly McCrimmon kind of said that in a radio interview. And and I think maybe that that if you're Jared Gallant, yeah, you're not gonna see that. And and maybe that's the perspective that that Peter Deboris brought here is just something from the outside, something that's different. But that was that was maybe, like I said, my one biggest takeaway was just, you know, his shock that that he was
2: blindsided by it. Uh, Ben, when you, you know, you weren't on the conversation, but when you read his quotes, what were your thoughts on on what Gallant had to say?
3: Yeah, well, first of all, I totally agree with what, you know, Dave said of just he was blindsided by it. That stuck out to me because this is a guy that, of course, had a pretty famous firing, you know, right here in Florida where the Panthers fired him. And then there's the, like I said, legendary photo of him getting into the cab that he called for himself. And that was considered this, you know, big, shocking firing in the NHL of how could they do that to gerard glant this guy who was a jack adams finalist the year before had led the panthers into the playoffs. so it's not like he was a stranger to you know unexpected firings you would almost expect him to have his guard up more than the average coach because he had been through something like that before so the fact that he still didn't see you know the golden knights making a coaching change is what was really surprising to me and the other thing you know, like Dave was talking about with guys getting too comfortable and maybe George Glant didn't see it. I think that's certainly interesting and certainly something to take in consideration, but at the same time, I think, you know, people should know that Peter DeBoer is not exactly like, you know, Peter Laviolette. He is not the guy that's going to yell and scream at practice and make guys, you know, run laps and everything. Like they're goofing off in practice. They're having fun. They were doing shootout drills today and Ryan Reeves scored and his entire bench is, you know, going high fives and, trash talking Mark Andre Fleury and stuff like the Golden Knights are not like this dour like super serious hockey team right now under their new coach. They're still kind of loose and having fun at practices and stuff. So it's not like Kelly McCrimmon decided that he needed to, you know, completely change things up and get, you know, a guy to crack the whip and get all these players in line. So that's kind of the other thing that I thought was interesting, not only about their decision to fire Jar but then to go to Pete DeBoer, who kind of has a lot of the same philosophies Jorah Glant does. He doesn't like morning skates that much. He likes optionals. He doesn't like taxing his guys too much. He likes giving them time off when necessary. Tomorrow morning, they're not having a morning skate before their game against the Florida Panthers. So it's I don't think, you know, in terms of player relations, I don't know if it's going to be as different as people may think It is. Systems-wise, there's certainly going to be tweaks and changes, and the way Peter DeBoer might interact with guys might be a little different because Gerard Gallant, as a former player, was known for really connecting with guys and being a good communicator and stuff like that. But I don't think just personality-wise, they're as different as people might initially expect.
4: One of the things I asked Gerard Gallant about was how is this different than Florida, and he kind of basically said he saw the Florida one coming. He had a meeting in the summertime. He kind of knew... Something was going to happen. It was just a matter of, you know, when, I guess, not if. And and that's what made this one so different, I guess. But it, to Ben's point about their differences, it, it's not surprising to me because I, I do think philosophically Kelly McCrim and Jordan McPhee kind of have a blueprint, a, a coach in mind, uh, uh, you know, that, that they feel works. and And I don't think they want to deviate too far from that in terms of, you know, personality, um, how they interact with players, you know, kind of buying into that idea of, you know, good people. That that That's the foundation. They George McPhee and Kelly McCrimmon talked about that all the time, about having good people in the front office, about having good people in the organization and things like that. And I don't think, especially in this day and age, I don't think they want to even go anywhere near the line with somebody who's going to, you know, yell and scream and potentially, you know, have some issues as far as that goes especially with the code of conduct in the NHL coming, you know, to the forefront. But, you know, like we talked about, there's some tweaks and things system-wise. And I think it's just the other thing, too, is it's an outside perspective. It's somebody who's now going to come in and not be afraid to say, you know, look, I don't know if you can see this, but from the outside, everybody could see that X, Y, or Z maybe wasn't working as well as it had in the past. And, and maybe try this, maybe, you know, look at these changes and things like that. And, and, and maybe I think that's where, you know, we, we've seen around the NHL and we've talked before, you know, in our podcasts about how it's different here in Vegas. We haven't gone through this, but when you look around the landscape, it's pretty common. So, so from that standpoint, if you're just looking to, you know, kind of snap things going and, and, and that's the move you make, you know, Peter DeBoer can can kind of come in and say, you know, hey, let's let's maybe try this and 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 try that. And it's, you know, I'll I'll try to transition this a little bit because I think it's been interesting how Derek England has fit into th- the dynamic. I guess with with all of this with Peter DeBoer, I'll let Ben kind of jump in, you know, here as far as that because he's on the trip and has kind of seen, I guess, Zach Whitecloud and the way that Whitecloud, at least for right now, is getting a long look
2: auditioned however you want to say it yeah I, I definitely want to get that thought from ben but the last thing i wanted to follow up on real quick uh did you ask him how he got to the airport in ottawa
4: <laughs> i did he <laughs>
2: <laughs> he did not have a he did not have a cab so. uh, because they do have uber in ottawa yeah, I, was like, I guess he could have yeah. gone so, that way there's no photos uh no. But, but ben uh dave did pose the question about uh, kind of the it's I'm going to call it the transition, I guess the the youth movement a little bit of calling White Cloud up, putting him out there. Derek England being scratched that seems to be the biggest change that, that DeBoer has implemented so far.
3: Yeah, that's really the biggest kind of I guess personnel move that the Knights have made so far under him. I mean, they flipped Paul Stassi and Chandler Stevenson as first and second line centers, but even that move is just kind of temporary until William Carlson gets back. But yeah. Before the break, it was very notable to me, and Dave made sure to point this out in his stories. that one of the things Peter DeBoer immediately changed was his defenseman usage. Basically, Nate Schmidt and Shay Theodore's minutes went up, and Derek Englund's minutes clearly went down, which might have been odd to, as Dave was kind of alluding to, maybe an outside voice, an outside perspective that didn't necessarily have all these emotional attachments to England, who obviously means so much to this franchise as a person, Maybe didn't quite have as high of an opinion as his predecessor did on Derek England, the player, and especially when you consider that you know England was a guy who was kind of going in and out of the lineup before the Knights made that switch to playing zone defense in their defensive zone, and then all of a sudden he was in the lineup every night because he didn't have to necessarily skate around with guys as much. Well, if Peter DeBoer decides to switch up the philosophy even a little bit, that's going to negatively affect Derek England. From that perspective, I think it makes sense for them to potentially audition a new guy. It makes sense for that new guy to be Zach Whitecloud because he's one of the few right-shot defensemen in the organization that is able to be called up. And he's played, I think, really well his first two games. Obviously, he was put in a little bit of a tough spot, jumping in, flying from Chicago Saturday morning for a second NHL game. In Nashville, is the second game of back to back for both him and the Knights. They dominate the Predators. He plays pretty well in about 13 and a half minutes of ice time. Then, of course, he goes to Tampa. Once again, really tough road venue, really good team with a lot of high end skill. And that's going kind of, he acquits himself pretty well in about 13 and a half minutes. He's not super flashy, but he's got that he's a little bit bigger. You know, he can assert himself in front of the net. He Hasn't quite done that yet, but you feel like if he gets more comfortable in the NHL, that's coming. He's skating pretty well. He's making good decisions. It's hard to count the number of mistakes he's made in his first two games. I think he's been really clean as a defenseman. So it'll be interesting to see kind of how long of a leash he gets here to kind of you know mess around, get his feet wet, get comfortable, and see how that might affect the night's decision-making with the trade deadline coming up February 24th.
2: What, do, what does this mean for Nick Hague right now? So it
3: means that Nick Hague should learn to shoot right-handed. basically. Yeah. yeah. Well, cause, <laughs> Cause I think that's honestly like we can joke, but I think that's a big key here is that they wanted a new look on their third pair. They wanted to replace Derek England on their third pair. They don't want to have both Hague and Whitecloud, even though they were partnered together in the AHL together on the same pair in the NHL, because putting two rookies in the blue line together is kind of, you know, asking for a disaster so i think this is kind of the right combination that works for them right now obviously you don't want to break up schmidt and McNabb. holden and theodore seem to have figured out something and so that kind of leaves just your third pair open and like i said i think only you want only one rookie there so white cloud's the guy that's got the nod right now and we'll see what that kind of leaves Heg's timeline is for a recall at
4: Yeah, what he said <laughs> I, I was, was going to say that he, he stole my answer.
2: <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, so we've, we've got uh, this situation going on. What what does, I guess, how does this play into the trade deadline? Because you kind of wrapped it all up into one of what this all means of, you know, Boycott getting some time, England not getting any time, Hague being still down in Chicago. But does this have any implications on what they plan to do? Uh, I mean, I don't know if it has necessarily
4: what they plan to do, but it it can be part of it all. I mean, certainly he could be, you know, being showcased, I guess. Maybe another team wants to look at him if, if they're trying to look at prospects and things like that for a potential deal. Uh, maybe, you know, Nick, somebody could be somebody like Nick Holden, who's a UFA. Um, maybe somebody wants, you know, wants to continue to look at him so you can't move him out of the lineup. Plus, he's played really well. Um you know, I mean, it can be kind of any number of things as far as that goes, but maybe it, it, it's something as look. If we bring him up and he solves some problems, maybe we don't necessarily need, you know need to go get somebody. That could be the thinking too. You know, I don't know that he solves the problem per se, but if he upgrades it and they don't like what some of the other deals are available, and that's the best you know avenue for them to upgrade, you know, to do it internally. That they've shown that that at least they've they've spoken about George McPhee and Kellen McCrimmon about a willingness to do that, and that's how they that's their preferred route in terms of development. You know, having guys internally within the club, within the the organization, kind of coming up and and filling those holes, and not having to trade away assets, spend big money, and and do all those sorts of things without it being you know a guy that they really feel can clearly upgrade the roster.
2: So, Ben, you uh, I want to bring this on the air because I talked about it off the air. You are in Fort Lauderdale, the the haven of retirement communities in the, the United States. You are a young man, but I feel like you could live in a retirement community. More than anybody I know of your age, I feel like you could do it.
3: I feel like I t- could, too. I feel like the lifestyle suits me here. If my, my lovely girlfriend and my dog would like to join me in Florida, <laughs> I think I would be all for that. There is hockey here. So I'd be happy. I'd have stuff to do. I mean, I I think this, this could work.
2: Now is the, is convincing your girlfriend to live in a retirement community, the, the biggest challenge?
3: Uh, as long as the retirement community is in Florida I think it would be a relatively easy conversation I, I think we could work
2: it out <laughs> makes sense well, <laughs> dining room tables mandatory though right <laughs> well dining room tables fit in retirement communities that's, that's, that's what I'm saying that's yeah. what yeah that's what the elderly do it's they mad. sit it's around like at mandatory. The table. yeah all day you just sit at the table and just talk and eat whenever I, I I feel like that's perfect that would work out so enjoy your time in Fort Lauderdale a couple of days. Before you come home and this road trip is over, the road trip is finally over. Golden Knights return home this weekend. It seems like it's been three, four months. So much has happened. Hopefully, we've kept you caught up on everything going on. And the Golden Knights return to Las Vegas, the first chance for fans at the Fortress to see Pete DeBoer on the Golden Knights bench and not on the opposing bench as they're used to seeing them there Uh, big events coming up this weekend and some really really good teams coming in some tough tests for the Knights over the next few days that'll do it for us for Ben Goats down in Fort Lauderdale for Dave Shane and myself Adam Hill here in Las Vegas thank you guys for listening make sure you like subscribe comment share everything you do with podcasts let people know where you check out your Golden Knights info the Golden Edge we'll talk to you guys again real soon